Welcome to Tangled Web, a conversation about where we are now and where we're going with the web. Today I'm talking to Lola from Lunchpail Labs, who helps people build products that matter, often without code. And that's why I was so keen to have this conversation to get her take on the no-code movement. Lola, welcome to Tangled Web. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Mark. Super excited to jam on some no-code. So I, I think I must be the worst person to talk about no-code, as I mentioned to you. I, I always want to code everything from scratch, which is kind of crazy. So I'm hoping you're going to be able to help me out here. So let's start at the beginning. What does no-code mean? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, no code is a way of creating software, oftentimes through configuration and sort of drag and drop interfaces, where I think a lot of ways it's very much a misnomer because there's tons of code uh, being created. <laughs> there's tons yeah. of code to create the no code. So there, it's a very much a code intensive process, but like the end user interacting with no code is not exposed to that sort of like code layer. So yeah, they're interacting with an interface and they're creating apps and software, uh, but they don't actually have to interact with any particular programming language. Yeah, perfect. And so we should say coding in a computer language is kind of a crazy complex task. A computer language is kind of not like a human language. It's not like the English language. It's If you look at computer code, it's just gobbledygook to most people. So it kind of gets rid of that layer of gobbledygook and um, puts a uh, user interface on it. Tell me what kind of products you build with no code. Yeah, yeah, no. So yeah, there's so, so many use cases um, for no code. Personally, um, a lot of the products that I um, focus on tend to be more like SaaS-like products. And so um, web apps primarily, um, things with like multiple user roles uh, and, and pages and um, sort of different different functionalities. And for that, I think like Bubble, Bubble is... Uh, Un unmatched and sort of like the functionality it provides. But, um, and that's mostly what I would do like with clients and stuff. But like personally, I love no code for automation. So Zapier is all over kind of like my internal making Lunchpail Labs run sort of stacks. And then as you mentioned, I feel like there is so much like no code um, for, for websites. You need a marketing website. You need a landing page. There are a lot of tools to help you spin those things up, sometimes in even minutes. Like I just ran into this really cool tool called yep.so, um, and it is a no-code tool built on a no-code tool um, for creating and validating your ideas. And it's like like a couple minutes to, to go through the process of um, creating your landing page and like configuring what you need. So um, it's pretty, pretty neat. So there's so much to dig into there. So, so first of all, tell me um, what kind of clients you have when, when people come to you and say, hey, I want this thing built. What kind of clients are they? What kind of products are they looking to get built? Yeah. So um, I'm pretty like industry agnostic. Um, so they'll clients typically spend doing all sorts of things. But uh, for Lunchpail Labs in particular, I think we found like two groups that we mostly work with. The first are like all sorts of like niche consultancies and um, sort of like small businesses. So usually companies that are already have like some revenue generating portion of um, of their activities. And I think consultancies are so interesting 
um, because they usually have like some package insight that they're trying to either like productize in their own operation or something that they want to spin out into some like larger SaaS that they might offer to others in the sort of like product stack also varies often, but things like marketplaces, some form of connecting multiple people in a product, that's a pretty common request. Dashboards of all sorts are pretty common. Yeah. And then I know I said two groups and then yeah, the second group <laughs> is, yes. uh, I started to work with a lot of like, even more like developer focused um, companies who are very interested in translating their offerings to like no code. And so those are kind of like the two, two main segments. Um, and then in terms of requests, I feel like all, all sorts of folks, definitely I feel like no code is really um, popular with the kind of pre-revenue startup founder who's like trying to get started, um, get their product off the ground, get their business off the ground. So I answer a lot of questions from those kind of folks. But I think, yeah, it's kind of, it's been interesting being in this space. Um, I started operating under the Lunchpail Labs brand probably like around two years ago, um, getting to see just like all the different kind of folks who are finding use cases for no code. We should just say we've a couple of times mentioned the term SaaS, which stands for software as a service. So this is the kind of software that you subscribe to online rather than downloading a package onto your computer. You just use the software on the web. The second group you mentioned there, you said organizations that have been using code and are moving towards no code. That's a, that's a fascinating direction that people who have uh, been using code up till now are seeing the light and seeing that they don't need to do everything in code. Yeah, so it, it's not so much that the organization is moving um, to code. I would say more so people who serve coders who are also trying to serve like no coders um, gotcha. are, are those those kinds of organizations. But um, some some of the companies that I've sort of like consulted with have been teams with massive like engineering uh, organizations and usually like some offshoot department, be it marketing, be it like a, a product team experimenting in some other uh, like kind of like department who doesn't have engineering resources will look to no code, even though they have like tons of like engineers yeah. as a way to like have more control and experiment quickly. So, so you mentioned a couple of products there. One was uh, Bubble. Can, can you give us just like some idea of how you would go about building a product with uh, with something like Bubble? Yeah. So yeah, uh, Bubble, Bubble's a great one. Um, definitely a behemoth. I think compared to some other no-code tools can have a little bit more of a learning curve. So I think the life, like the, the process of building in Bubble in some ways very much mimics the process you would go ordinarily creating something with code. So starts with requirements, starts with like thinking about your database because you have like a sort of integrated database in bubble where you can think about like your data structure and like what sort of information you need to save setting that all up before getting too hands dirty sort of clicking and um, creating functionality um, and then usually i'll go to like the ui um, might start with some wireframes in Figma. There's a lot of a very interesting sort of like front end almost frameworks uh, that are popping up for things like Bubble. Stuff like Atomic Fusion, Canvas, where you do have like a kind of like design system to pull from so you don't have to do all of that from scratch. And then, um, yeah, usually like the last piece for me is then with my requirements in hand, uh, going to the workflows tab and starting to connect different pieces of like, oh yes, 
let's make this login button functional. Let's make this download button functional and starting to hook up the pieces, which are um, all, all super fun. You've just described everything that I love about creating a product. You, you, you know, you're starting from the conception, just getting the requirements from uh, from the client, and then the the design, like you know, the design of the database, the design of the product itself, the design of the user interface. All those are the fun parts. Uh, what what this does, it seems to me, is get rid of the uh, maybe less fun part of actually digging into the code and replacing it with something easier. Exactly, exactly. And even before I got into no code, I did have several like false starts trying to like get into uh, just pure coding or more traditional coding. Um, and I think even talking with other folks who have like a, a similar journey, yeah, just like that being able to see that quicker feedback. And a lot of us have kind of with getting to iterate on those skills and understand in a no code context have actually started to go into more code. So a lot of what Lunchpail Labs does now is like, like 80% no code. And then with like 20% actual code JavaScript, um, kind of sprinkled on. So, um, it's been, for me, it's been like a no code to code, but like no code got me like more quickly interested because I could ship things and see like the impact uh, much, much quicker and stuff. Yeah, there's, there's kind of a bit of a misconception that uh, no code is all or nothing. Either you create a product entirely without code or entirely with code, but that's that's really not the reality, is it? Exactly. And I think that's where like some terms like low code are starting to come in, where it's like, ah, yes, it is not all no code, but rather some code and some um, some some no code mixed together. No code for the things that are pretty standard and sort of easy to conceptualize. And then the custom things that are not super standard, you put your code on. What kind of limits do you run into with the no code tools that'll make you kind of build out that custom layer with code? Yeah, so I think there are some things from like a UI perspective that will require custom JavaScript. A lot of times with like, animations. Another cool thing with a, most no-code platforms is the ability to connect to external APIs. So if you're building in Bubble, for example, and you're just, you know, coming with Bubble out of the box, pretty soon you'll have some need to like connect to some external service to add functionality, whether it's with payments because like Bubble doesn't do that natively, or you need text messages or just some other thing. I feel like, I guess, yeah, APIs is like a, a medium code type thing, yeah. um, but like you can um, extend with that. And then I also find myself doing like custom plugins sometimes um, to extend the functionality of things like Bubble, where if you, need something that is like not quite in an API, say like a very custom video interface, for example, you're going to have like a, like with a Riverside, um, if you wanted to build something like that in bubble, you would probably have some limitations on creating like the, the interface, but with like a plugin, um, you could add sort of custom JavaScript to, to make that, to make that happen, like embed the video and make sure it sends probably with some APIs in the background, but yeah, for yeah. stuff like that. Riverside, uh, by the way, is the, uh, the technology we're using to record this podcast right now. The other product that you, uh, you mentioned earlier was, uh, Zapier, which is a big player in the no-code space. Can you, um, explain what Zapier does for no-coders? 
Yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, Zapier is an kind of like an automation no-code tool. So also click and drag. It helps you basically automate tasks based on different different triggers. And I think there are a couple of tools like in that class of Zapier of like operation no-code. Um, Integromat is another another really good one. I think I've been hearing a lot about Processio, which I think is like a new no-code tool on the market. But basically for like any task that you have that's like repeatable, um, you can create a zap um, that will execute it. So some zaps I have that run are like zaps that share content when they get posted on my blog and like that's automatic. I don't have to think about it. Or like um, small little like lead zaps. If someone reaches out to Lunchpail Labs, it'll like notify me and then also send a message. I don't have to be there to like look at it. So it very interesting. I feel like people have so many interesting use cases for like zaps and sort of like operational automation, no code. Um, but yeah, can help you save time. Will there ever be an end to code? I mean, will will no code frameworks ever get so flexible that there'll be no need to code any longer? I don't think so. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't think so. I think... Um, especially when I was like first getting into no code, there would always be like some discussion of like, oh, is this the end of the developer? They're not going to, and I think what we're seeing um, with like no code becoming more developed and stuff is that it's actually increased uh, a lot of demand for no code. So why is no code important? Ooh, yeah. So I think, um, well, and you touched on this a little bit in the beginning, and it's been a while since I've seen this statistic, but it's something like less than 1% of people um, can actually, yeah, tr traditional code. And so one of the, the promises, or at least the hopes of no code is that more and more people will be able to create software. We all know that software is, um, I think Mark and Jason famously said, is eating the world. So it is increasingly a part of our everyday lives. And so I think we all benefit when the pool of people who are able to create the software that we interact with come from an increasingly broad set of perspectives and life experiences. And I think with no code, we get to benefit, um, hopefully with from software that's like built from all sorts of different people. So, yeah, this kind of broadens out the um, the topic of no code into uh, another interest of yours and of mine, which is the the future of work. One idea I've seen you write about online is permissionlessness, which is a very ugly word, but it's a beautiful <laughs> idea. So, could you say a little bit about that? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So, yeah, permissionlessness. Um, and uh, I think it was originally like Naval, who is like an angel investor, who talked about this idea is basically the idea that in today's kind of like modern economy, before you had sort of like capital and labor were the main ways that people were able to sort of like create opportunity, create businesses, which is very permissioned. You have to get somebody else to work for you. You have to get somebody else to give you money if capital is your leverage, um, which kind of locks out a lot of folks from like opportunity. But now we're living in this age of like code and media, code, no code, I think, and media, which is permissionlessness. If you have an idea for a SaaS or a way to solve a problem 
with software, you actually don't have to convince anyone to help you build that idea. You can get feedback from the market. You can create it with no code. I think it's so especially powerful, um, especially yeah, in kind of like our new like business environment with so with the rise of kind of like small businesses um, that we're seeing, especially in the United States in the face of this, like they call it the great resignation that yes. um, folks have as many tools as possible to to be able to to solve problems and create opportunity for themselves. So it gets me so jazzed to think about. Um, yeah. And I also think it changes a lot of the calculus for like a non-technical founder who wants to solve a problem a couple yeah. years ago when really like coding was the only option. Um, if you were non-technical and you had like this great idea, like uh, depending on the potential payout of that idea, it may not even make sense to pursue because the initial investment would be like $100,000 to hire someone to build it out for you. Permissionlessness, I wish hopefully we'll come up with like a new term that's just like less, <laughs> fewer syllables, but like permissionlessness just gets me so excited to think about and yeah, how, how we'll see people without permission just get into build and what we'll get to experience as consumers. I think that's so important. We have so many areas of our lives where we, we do have to ask permission before we can do what we want in business or in life generally. I think software is an area where we can get past that and uh, it is more permissionless and uh, no code gets us even closer to that. Is there anything else uh, about no code that you would uh, like to add? Yeah, no, I, I, I loved uh, these questions. It was such a party getting to chat with you about no code. And yeah, I just like love jamming about this stuff. And I, I can't feel like no code is out of place now. There are still some like things for us to work out, but I can't wait to see like what people are able to build and just like how ubiquitous like just building software becomes in 10, 15, 20 years and all the stuff we get to benefit because of that. So yeah. That's great. That was a lot of fun. So listeners, if you'd like to connect with Lola, she's prolific on the web. Uh, she's on Twitter, she's got a blog, she's on YouTube, podcasts, you name it. So you can find links to it all at lola.fyi. So that's L-O-L-A dot F-Y-I, which is an awesome domain name, by the way. Um, or you can connect with her on Twitter at uh, Lola. So that's O-J-A-B-O-W-A-L-O-L-A. Uh, Lola, thanks so much for joining me on Tangled Web. Awesome, yes. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, always happy to jam. So if you're watching this, feel free to reach out. Thanks for listening to Tangled Web. Join me for fresh insights into the future of the web every other week. Subscribe to the free newsletter, podcast or YouTube channel at tangledweb.media. Remember, the web has only just begun.